0: Hello the internet and welcome to season 174 episode 3 of Dear Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness It's Wednesday, March 3rd, 2021 My name is Jack O'Brien, aka A little bit of coal gas in my life A little bit of coal gas by my side (laughs) A little bit of coal gas, all I need A little bit of coal gas, what I see (laughs) A little bit of coal gas in the sun A little bit of coal gas all night long A little bit of coal gas, here I am A little British coal gas study to inform you, man Alright, that is courtesy of Johnny Davis uh, Making fun of me for constantly referencing the British coal gas study Um, With a little Lubega Uh, And I'm thrilled to be joined by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray!
1: I hate to do this to Daniel or Justin, but here we go. Work it, Miles it, Gray it, sight us, higher, better, Geister longer, more than daily, trending later, ever after, blunt is over, smoke it, hit it, rip it, makes us higher, better, snacking stronger. Thank you so much to Hank Scipio for that Daft Punk just related, AKA, and maybe that'll be vocoded. I don't know. We'll see. If not, uh, Daft Punk uh, That was a Kanye You know I'm song. not gonna lie I don't know But I hear they're cool
0: Why didn't you do that I need you right now Part uh, Oh From that well, Kanye that's... song That you were just singing <laughs> um, From that Maga <laughs> Uh yeah, I mean, and also, guys, uh, if you do, I uh, feel like vocoding any one of my songs ever uh, m- much appreciated. It would
1: be so funny. It's like you know how Stalin would be like pedally Photoshop people out of shit. Like, yeah, you start start do- like you start hiring ringers to just put the audio in, <laughs> and they're like, "Damn, Jack, fucking saying hallelujah," and it made me cry. <laughs>
0: You guys don't worry about it. I'm just, I'm just gonna turn my video off here for a second yeah. uh, while I do this, aka Mountain
1: Dew. You hear the door open?
0: Mountain. Again, roof Rufus Wayne, right? <laughs> uh, well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the hilarious, the talented, the brilliant Mister Noel Brad. Hey. R.I.P.
2: R- 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 Daft Punk, you guys. Even though they haven't made a record for like ten years, yeah, at, I intake, know. But I, you know, I guess they just occupy this rarefied air. I, you notice people were like posting things as though they had died or had like yeah. they had been like dismantled or something. Right. Like fucking Vision, it's very weird. Uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't fully. I don't fully. I'm, it's a spoiler for One Division. Not really. No, it's not.
0: It's not it's spoiler for uh, <laughs> the Marvel the Universe at large. the Marvel Universe. Yeah, yeah and I large. haven't
1: seen those movies and I don't I don't even know how to put that together. We so, good. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's true. Like it's not like they were put they were, you know, prolific in the last few years. It's just no. they, they have hits. that weekend I get it. They song. Hits. They
2: did that weekend song, Starboy, and that was like literally seven years ago. Right. they haven't really done anything. I mean, they've made classic albums and I adore yeah. them and I love the whole scene they came from. I think it's so crazy that uh Daft Punk, Phoenix and Air all came from Versailles. They lived yeah. in like Versailles in the, you know, shadow of the Palace of Versailles and ended wow. up making this like dope crazy French disco. And they all right. went to school together and are all like equally famous. Oh, they, in did? Their own right. they went to school yeah. together? They're all like buddies. They all grew up together. I felt like Phoenix is
1: like slightly younger than the other two, but they're roughly maybe mentor age, but like they definitely knew each
2: other. Versailles is not a big place. And then, uh, I I mean,
1: I don't know. You've seen a lot of palaces. I I think Versailles is pretty big.
2: The palace, for (laughs) sure.
1: (laughs) Oh, oh, right.
2: The the, the township. Ah, yes. Maybe not as much.
1: Also, great Cuban restaurant in Los Angeles.
0: Versailles is? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, i I also wonder how much of it is that when a band that is not associated with its actual public or or like the person behind the mask mm-hmm. uh hangs it up point. then it's like then it's like Superman dying in the Superman comics it's mm-hmm. like a big deal um or That's true. Uh, you know, I, just, not to make another Marvel reference. Right, I'm a real comic book nerd, you guys. <laughs> Marvel, uh, Superman. Superman. <laughs> exactly, doggy. You know, you know how I do.
2: Uh. <laughs> no, that, that's a really good point. It's almost like they were I- immortal in some way. And so, uh, to that end, like, why even like make a big deal of it? Why not just like kind of fade away? Like, why do they have to? Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, we're done. It's over.
1: Yeah, All it right. would have been there. Maybe something powerful where they're like, there's articles being like, is Daft Punk still together? And then it's like been years, and like, oh yeah, no, we stopped a long time ago. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you know, I'm just doing my thing. See, I have no helmet on.
0: So did they just make that a Starboy song, or have they been producing a bunch of The Weekend stuff? Because no,
2: no, no, it was just that was like one collab, uh, and they oh, might have wow. done some other Under the Fold kind of below, beneath the fold kind of deep cut stuff. But I don't really think so. They did that Tron movie. And yeah, it was before the weekend song. They did like right. Tron Legacy, the soundtrack for right. that. And then that they was put a dope out,
1: soundtrack, though.
2: It's super dope, and they put out like a like an expanded version of like all the you know outtakes or whatever. And they made that at Henson Studios when a buddy of mine who lives in in uh, L.A. was working there, and he would see them coming in. You know, they don't wear their helmets just walking around. I was so, just yeah.
1: talking about that another person who I knew was at Henson who was talking about seeing them without their helmets yeah. on. It's just so funny. funny. It it was just a very thing like, "Yo, they're at Henson Studios. (laughs) They're human beings, right?
0: (laughs) Go work at Henson Studios if you want to have your childhood just demolished. Any (laughs) because you're watching like Big Bird walk around without his head on (laughs) and shit. I'm sure, right, right, right. Uh, (laughs) It's just it's. Have you ever been to Henson Studios?
1: I have not. It's so like it you can tell like some people that work there have worked there since the beginning. Like, because like the, there's like a person who like works there. Who's like, their desk is just surrounded like by like dark crystal props and stuff. And they're like, so kind. And like, they feel like you feel like you're on Sesame street, the way some Mm -hmm. of these people interact with you and shit. And then, then the like loan out space to like, you know, struggling media companies who just want to be like, yeah, we're on the Henson lot. And then you have a very nervous meeting that
2: you realize. I did go to to ILM once in San Francisco and it's the same deal. Industrial light and magic, where it's like, you know, you walk down the hall and there are these like the dusty ass slimer, you know, like uh, rubber suit thing. And like, but it's like they don't really take care of it. They've got all these like plates on the walls from like the kind of like when they used to do matte paintings for like right. Star Wars backdrops. And they're just like, they're all painted on shower doors. And like the person that gave us the tour explained, like, oh, shower doors were available at this like hardware store next to where ILM used to be. And it was easier than ordering the real stuff. And they're just like on the walls, but they're all like covered in dust and stuff. And it doesn't seem like they <laughs> right. really yeah. see them with the Ever like you, you or right. i would see them because like, like i was Could like yo museum. that's from
1: that's from lab week like, whatever i'm calling stuff out and they're like oh yeah and i'm like it's criminally spider fucked with all the webs <laughs> on it like, like, exactly. but i get it this is your office and like fuck it that's just some old shit we don't fuck with um, anymore yeah. but yeah
0: mm-hmm. Spider fucked is a very uh, specific condition that a lot, <laughs> a lot of my outdoor, uh, outdoor furniture. tools and furniture <laughs> uh, gets that I've never heard put that way. But that needs to yeah. be immediately oh, coined, yeah. trademarked. Spider fucked. It's spider fucked. Uh, <laughs> all right, Noel, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, a couple of the things we're talking about. Uh, we'll talk about that minimum wage hike. Uh, where where is it? Just that. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about Gab. We're going to talk about um, whether tech is making us more productive. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the upcoming inauguration of the president uh, on the fourth of March. Uh, if you're not up on your QAnon game, um, oh, <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The real inauguration. Uh, uh, what we saw was a fake inauguration I for guess. the corporation that is America, but the real state. That is America uh, actually doesn't have its inauguration until the 4th. uh, And that's when Donald Trump will finally accept office. Uh, So uh, we'll talk about sneaker resellers, uh, specifically one who got his moms fired uh, from being in charge of Nike North America. Uh, Or not fired. He caused her to resign. But um, yeah, Uh, we'll talk about uh, what New York City streets could look like in the future. Uh, all of that, plenty more. Uh, but first, Noel, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history, friend? Oh my
2: gosh! Well, I just typed in Trump Golden Calf CPAC. And yeah, that was for y'all's benefit for a little later in the uh, in the episode. If you don't know <laughs> what that is, uh, I'll make sure to to discuss it when uh, when the time is. Right. Ah, fuck it, I'll we'll talk about it now. If you talk, are you covering CPAC? Have you talked to any any about CPAC? Yeah, we, we referenced the Golden
1: Calf, but we didn't talk about the literal prayer sesh. Okay, so you, so
2: you saw the Bizarro s- statue with like the giant gold, oh, yeah, head wearing. But we didn't see what shorts. ended up with it. Okay, well, th- th- I just heard about this today, so you guys are way ahead of me. But that was my last, uh, my last search. What's yeah, the prayer sash, Miles? Dude, the f- people they prayed on it like pr- oh, in prayer,
1: like, like on- laid hands upon it. Yes, and shit? the fucking religious people did the fucking thing we were joking about. Wow, of being like. You're praying to a false golden idol, right? Yeah, as is, is that quote, just unquote, lost on them? Are they? I
2: this don't, is I, what I said.
1: Uh, I think the only thing that makes because it's so on the nose, right, right? Right, that they are literally trying to provoke God into bringing the end times. I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> what they think is gonna. That's the right. only way because that's what they're hell bent on. They're like, well, moving the embassy, or uh, uh, like moving the embassy in Israel didn't do it. Fuck. What else you got to do? All right. I guess we'll pray to this golden idol uh, right. and but maybe they're the God good will come down and smite us.
0: So. Mm. Um, I don't know.
2: It's just seems fun. very imprecise. I don't think they've thought this through fully. Yeah,
1: no. And I think at the end of the day, they're not actually religious people. They're just using religion as like the shield to obscure okay. their racism and hatefulness. And that's all it is. So I think yeah. maybe they, I think they don't even really know what what that all means in the context of Christianity. <laughs>
0: But if anybody missed the uh, golden calf, it, it's Trump in board shorts. It mm-hmm. looks like uh, like we said, it looks like a big boy uh, statue, like a uh, Bob's big boy statue. It's not a holy, sacred looking statue. It looks like shit. It looks like a Funko toy or something like mm-hmm.
2: and, it, and he's wearing flip-flops
0: and, yeah, but flip his flops. Top and half, board shorts. his top half is just
2: a suit and tie, you know, yeah. too long tie. Right. I just don't understand.
0: It looks like a float from a retirement party or something. Um, My retirement parties have floats. Uh, We (laughs) go big. Uh, What is something you think is underrated, No, Uh,
2: I think that laser pointers as cat toys uh, are underrated. And and I have a very personal reason for this. I recently got a cat, um, and she's really great. But in the morning... She likes to like just get in full crouch pounce mode and just like pounce violently on bare feet. So I literally am tiptoeing, tap dancing around my living room, try to get from point A to B and not get, you know, just mauled. So I've started using the laser pointer to distract her and point it away. And then I can scurry into the kitchen and do my shit and then use it again when I come back. So for me, it's literally like a lifesaver. But I also think this I pose this question to y'all. Is it cruel Doing this to a cat, knowing they will never catch this thing, are they just like clean slate every time and they're okay with it and it's just fun for them? Or is it like maddening and driving them slowly insane?
1: Uh I'm no feline expert. I'll let Zeitgang weigh in on that, but I know my cats love it because I get it's the only I can get my cats panting like my right, dog right, with the right. laser pointer. You can control
2: and, and, their every move too. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a it's wild.
1: And it's low energy playing because it's all my exactly, wrist. And you exactly. know math, a little inch movement from fifty feet away is like a whole <laughs> length of a fucking yard. So I have do my cats doing up downs and shit. Running up the walls. Because it's great. Yeah, it tires them out and then they're chill and then they're not screaming in the middle of the night That's like they it. normally do. Yeah.
0: Super yep. producer Ana Hosnier uh resident cat spurt uh says it's good exercise for them. So Okay. Great. Um I right. I have some experience with uh So I had a dog that was basically a cat spirit in a dog body. It would like Mm -hmm. stretch out in the sun and like lick its paws like a cat and just was a cat Uh, and also had a thing where I I think we used a laser pointer with it, like when it with him when he was young and he like really got into it. But then it like fucked with him, and for his whole life he was chasing like little glints of light, like around any time they would come up. The dark
2: side of laser pointer, yeah, uh, and would like whimper,
0: and it really fucked with him. But he, you know, he had other issues coming in. I've talked before about he was like kind of suffered from uh, depression, and got it was yeah. So I think Um,
2: typically consensus is it's it's okay
0: unless your cat is a dog, Uh, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, what is something you think is overrated? I think I'm probably
2: not super alone in this these days, but I think James Cameron has become painfully overrated. Uh, wow. I think I think Terminator 2 is a perfect film and I actually just listened to an episode of the rewatchables um, on the ringer and they dissected T2 in a way that I'd never really thought about I always just thought about it as this like tentpole movie from my childhood but it really is beat for beat a, a very intentional and well executed movie and it kind of knows exactly what it's doing but like who asked for four more Avatar movies like 15 years after the original one came out? <laughs> Uh, when no one even remembers or cares about the original one. I mean, it was like a theme park ride at best. And now he's like, you know, putting all his eggs in that franchise. And I kind of think it's going to fail miserably. I don't know what what you guys think. I'm interested to see what happens. But he's got like three or four of them planned. And they're like all underwater. And I'm sure they're going to look fucking cool. But I just, yeah, I don't don't see it. They're underwater like
0: uh, they're. Losing money or they're underwater as they're in physically that's where they underwater. Okay, got yeah. it. They have submerged. <laughs> yeah. They have got submerged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I mean, don't know. I'm
1: I'm not invested in that universe at all. Like, the fun for me of Avatar was more like, look what we did with 3D, y'all. Totally. You're welcome. Yeah. And then and no one's
2: done it better since. And it was yeah. really epic and memorable for that and that alone. To me.
1: Right. But you're like, savior nar- colonizer, savior narratives aren't going to play well in the year no. of our lords 2021 <laughs> and beyond. Yes, <laughs> oh, sir. Sure. Uh, especially when people were like, yo, isn't this Fern Gully also? Mm-hmm. No, this was right. Fern Gully. Like Fern straight Gully, up, but, it's Dances okay. with Wolves, it's yeah. like The
2: Last Samurai. I mean, it's tired, man. Yeah, you know,
1: exactly. Like, but blue, for blue me, people. Fern Gully, you know, as I rank those films that you just mentioned. Fern I know Gully, the baddie
2: yeah. rap from Fern Gully almost by heart. <laughs> I had that on cassette when I was a kid, and I, I still <laughs> oh, recite yeah. it while drunk at parties occasionally.
0: <laughs> there you go. Um, laughs. I, I liked Avatar a lot when I watched it. Yeah. Um, I am a serial underestimator of James Cameron. Uh, there has not been a James Cameron movie since I've been looking forward to them uh, that I didn't uh, talk about how it was going to be a complete debacle. Like starting with Titanic, mm-hmm. that that was a whole story about like how uh, he was losing so much money on that and it was a disaster, and everybody fucking hated shooting it, nobody wanted to like be there uh, and like. Th- it was famous for being a complete disaster before it came out. And then it became famous for being like the most successful movie of all time. Mm -hmm. Kind of the same thing with avatar. Avatar is weird because it, it is such a, like it didn't, you're right that it didn't really have a cultural impact uh, other than, you know, Jamie Loftus's avatar culture uh, that she's embraced. I think it's,
1: I you can't (laughs) say it didn't have a cultural impact because they've, people still want to go to a theme park and there were support groups for people who wanted to go back to Pandora.
0: It's just weird how, yeah, it was just most movies like that have that sized cultural impact. Like then there is some follow through. There's something that happens Mm -hmm. afterwards and avatar for some reason. I I just feel like as maybe because it's so such a kind of uh, insular world or like a completely closed off world that like it doesn't come up that often and like you said it was also telling a story that has been told a number of times uh of like white guy comes in and becomes uh like essentially goes them. native uh and that and then that like saves them um you know, I have heard recently some like a uh, Chapo Trap House like had a like Avatar appreciation episode where they were like talking about how the politics were really like great in Avatar. Um, but I do feel like it's more of a that is like a backlash to the backlash where it's like this right. is yeah. <laughs> the it's silly of us to say this. Um, I I still really enjoy it. Like I. Just very specifically remember the physical sensation of my eyes being dried out from not wanting to blink <laughs> while I was watching it. Like no, that. It, was, it was huge. Yeah, yeah. Like Jack, Fantastic. you banging down the doors for Avatar Avatar Four? I mean, I'm gonna watch every single one of them in the theater, and, like and I am too. No in question the theater? about it. Hold up, hold uh, on. We'll see. About, way we'll it just see about that.
2: Let's
1: yeah. see. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right, right. I mean but yeah
1: I mean it's I think at the very least what we know is they don't go this far unless they have the marketing research to suggest they're going to make their money point. back so as much as we might not be interested or not I think as a tent pole event it may draw people in but yeah to the to the extent that the first one did I don't know
0: I mean, they do go this far sometimes. <laughs> like sometimes the oh, John, John Carter of Mars or what, or whatever <laughs> that movie was that, like they, they went pretty damn far with that and then uh, realized they were out over their skis. You know, there are flops all the time and especially there are flops when there's a filmmaker who has had a bunch of success and keeps just getting yep. hit after hit after hit and they just have that like create a blank check Mm-hmm. and a staff of people who don't know how to tell them the truth then you right. come then you get something like the star wars prequels that uh you know are just a very specific failure of a single person's vision but they um, did well though i mean they made money yeah thing. for sure for yeah. sure um it's just or you know a- any number of blank check, uh, Robert Zemeckis's later films. Uh, well, look, I am a f- cats? I am- Have we talked about cats? Yeah, cats. I mean- <laughs> yeah, that guy had two huge hits, and they were like, "All right, he's now the Broadway guy. Cats. Give him, yeah, Cats. Yeah. the weird <laughs> the one give him that like." <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. By the way, I am. Somebody asked if I am a fan of the podcast Blank Check. I am. Uh, I, I like that show a lot, and they they do a great job of documenting you know they'll do an entire series of like a filmmaker's career and you get to like watch as they go from like huge success to um you know what what comes next when they get the the heat check uh as it were um but anyways uh I that would be something I recommend a blank check podcast over rewatchables uh, uh I've gone from rewatchable is the blank check i think cool do, but check it yeah. out you heard it here uh all right guys let's take a quick break and we will be right back and we're back uh and let's talk about uh that 15 dollars an hour minimum wage uh still way too low But uh, at least a step in the right direction. And uh, where are we at, Miles? Where are we? Where are we? Who are we? Where are
1: we? Who won? (laughs) Who won? Who won the election? Who Mm. is president? Who is vice president? What did they all say on their way to wanting
0: to be that? Joe Biden's inner monologue. (laughs) Hey,
1: (laughs) who am I? Where am I? Where's the applesauce? The one good CPAC one. Who's the boss? Where's my applesauce? (laughs) That's fucking <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> stupid.
2: Uh, anyway, so yeah, what does that even mean? <laughs> because they uh, it's <laughs> all saying taking shots at his mental acuity. Yeah, oh, oh, I
1: see, senility. I see. Okay, um, so yeah, the 2020 campaign, Joe Biden, he was out here saying, "We're gonna, we're gonna get the, fit, the minimum wage up to 15 because I'm the guy who knows how to do government." Then, cut to. Sorry, the parliamentarian said it's tricky, so we're gonna cave. Okay, now everyone's like, who the fuck is this parliamentarian? <laughs> Essentially, the parliamentarian is this nonpartisan advisor on like the legislative process and protocol in terms of like how the Senate works. So they'll flag stuff where you'd be like, mm, well, if you wanna do this under budget reconciliation, this might be a thing. They kind of just vet what's happening to make sure everything's on track. Again, it's an advisor. And they're nonpartisan. They're just they're just they just nerd out on the rules to let, you know, make sure things all going okay. And I've
0: never heard of them before once in my life. Me neither. Definitely not when the Republicans were in charge. They weren't like, well, but the parliamentarian says the Democrats might be mad.
1: Yeah. Or what? So here's the deal. This whole thing about the wage hike, they put it in, uh, you know, we talked about budget reconciliation, which is the way the Republicans basically got every all this nasty shit done through a simple majority because it usually related to spending or taxes. And that's how they were able to pass things on a majority. The Democrats are currently trying to use budget reconciliation as a way to get the stimulus package through and attach this federal wage hike of $15 for minimum wage. So the Senate parliamentarian just said, "Okay, like as I see it, this could be problematic in that the potentially the Republicans could raise a point of order uh, when they're voting on this to this specific bill or provision in the bill and potentially strip that out by raising a point of order. Now, what does that mean? So here's the other thing. This just means potentially the Republicans could do that. But to understand what the parliamentarian's role is, first of all, the advice is non-binding. It's just advice. Uh, The presiding officer of the Senate is the ultimate decision maker and can ignore the parliamentarian. In which case, would most likely be the vice president Kamala Harris. Mm. That's who the that's who would be it. Which was um, the pitch, right? The whole right. the
2: whole thing, like she's going to yes. be the tiebreaker. Everything's going to be good. Boom, we can do boom. whatever tie we break, want.
1: Tiebreak, tiebreak, tiebreak. If the minimum wage is in the COVID nineteen bill and they want to raise a po- point of order,
2: Kamala Harris could reject
1: the point of order. Boom. <laughs> Fifteen dollars an hour. Boom! Thirty-two million people living under the poverty line would be helped, and countless others. But they are looking like the Sheba dog meme with the two energies that this administration (laughs) has. Twenty Twenty campaign Joe had his chest up. Oh,
2: Saudi Arabia,
1: the tyrant state. Brolic. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for all the New York rap (laughs) fans out there. Thank you. Exactly. Uh, thank you, Dunny, uh, as Mom Deep would say. (laughs) But like out there, Twenty Twenty camp, fifteen dollars, and then in office, like, well, I don't know you know the parliamentarians and, <laughs> so what the fuck is going on the vice so then they ask the administration what's going on this is a quote from the uh biden national economic council director brian deese the vice president's not going to weigh in the president and the vice president both respect the parliamentarians decision and the process decision um yeah wow. exactly
2: that's Kamala right.
1: harris ran in the primary on $15 minimum wage. If you supported her in the primary, you remember this. Most people will, rem- like she was getting a lot of support because she was saying, yeah, fucking $15. That, that, that makes sense on top of that. But here's the deal. Joe Manchin is a no on the $15 minimum wage. So shit's already all fucked up. But there are options to to figure this out rather than just saying, that's the roadblock. You could sort right. Joe Manchin out. You could try and figure out if there are other Republicans who realize, yeah, that's actually, that, that, that'll help me in my whatever re-election bid. But right. again, another pebble on the scale to shift power to the fascists in 2022. If yeah, is this just this dead?
2: The debate's just No, it's over? not
1: dead. They're yeah. just kind of figuring out like, well, what do we do? I know, you know, Bernie Sanders said he's going to try and force a vote um, on this, but You know, the other thing is, like, they could they could switch, they could fire the parliamentarian because it's all about how they're they're interpreting the bird rule, which is all wonky shit. And you could just get another parliamentarian, be like,
2: yeah,
0: yeah,
1: I'm good
2: with this. But like, the parliamentarian
0: doesn't matter, right? Right. Like, that's just advice they're getting. No,
2: it's all optics. It's just like the idea of like we're playing nice, we're playing by the rules.
1: I mean, exactly. It's they don't they want to they don't they want to play by the quote unquote rules. But like all the rules we're seeing in terms of voting on legislation seem to be just there to ensure minority rule or sure. completely muck up the gears when people are trying to swiftly, you know, progress any kind of law or, you know, statute.
0: That's frustrating. So, Very frustrating. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's and again, like they're not treating it like a, a fucking big deal. And it's it's the progressives like the Rashida Tlaibs and uh, AOCs, Corey Bush type people who are like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Just right. and it's and it, to me, it's no surprise that the younger members of the party are the ones who are the closest in understanding what the <sighs> the tensions are that are pulling on people financially in the country versus you know twenty k freezer Nancy Pelosi with the Jennies blowing out <laughs> like right it, what I I. Like, please listen to them. Like, they're not this isn't like some like weird ploy to make you look bad. They're saying this. These are the needs of the American people. There's nothing there's nothing else to that.
2: Right. It's already a drop in the bucket. I mean, it's already not nearly enough for like a living wage in cities like Los Angeles or in cities like New York. It makes no sense that this is this hard to get through when there hasn't been a wage hike in what? How, How many years? Decades, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's at seven, seven, so seven and 75 cents right now. Right. What
2: about cost of living increases? Like, I mean, that's like basic human shit.
0: I yeah. Mean, yeah. It's definitely not keeping pace with anything else, uh, like in the economy.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at like sort of the way, like the, even the rules, right. That were fed from like, you know, your early financial literacy, it's like, well, you know, f- don't 50% uh, of your annual income goes to housing. Or something like that. And 30 to discretionary expenses. 20 to savings. Or maybe some people say don't spend more more than a third on your income on rent. But that's hard fucking now. And when you look at what people need to be paid, like $15 an hour is a fucking joke.
0: Right. It's, it's very easy for, like, I mean, where there's a will, like, it's easy for me to say this, but it's true. It's been true throughout the history of American politics that, like, you can play politics, but, or you can just be like, well, they said no. So like, that's our, if you, if you don't actually want to get anything done, it's very easy to do that and just pretend like it's somebody else's fault. Um, right. But the, or completely like, unacceptable.
1: I mean, I know this as like somebody who like, there's chores I want to get out of. Right. And I'll be like, damn, if like one thing goes wrong, I'm going to use that as a reason and not do that <laughs> shit when they ask why that didn't oh get gosh. done. I'm like, well, you know, I went to the store. They didn't have the right gravel.
0: Right. Of so, course. of
1: I'm gonna course, have to, I'm gonna have to push that to another few days or whatever. Versus, yeah. like, okay, well, if you really wanted to do that shit, how come you didn't get it done? Well, come on. Why are you making it hot? I'm lazy. Okay. You sound <laughs> like my <laughs>
0: four year old when I'm trying to get him to repave the driveway. <laughs> um, Prep the damn driveway. The gravel truck's gonna be here in 10 minutes. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about uh, a couple things happening on the right. Uh, one is uh, Gab. Uh, we, we talked last week about how Parler is just a um, – they're, they're having a hell of a time providing a – both Gab and Parler having a hell of a time providing a competent alternative to the social media platforms that have banned uh, Nazis. Uh, and it seems like there might be I – d- I don't know why they're so consistently bad. Like maybe it's – there's an informal internet democracy going on where – The fact that most of humanity hates fascists is is hurting the fascists. But uh, so we talked on Monday's episode, I think, about how Parler was hacked, stripped clean of all its data, uh, revived as a glitchy mess with no archive and basically rendered useless by uh, not being usable on smartphones. Uh, Well, now Gab, uh, who I think a lot of people first heard of when they like live streamed just a mass shooting at uh, the New Zealand mosque, they uh, had 70 gigabytes of private posts, passwords, and other data just downloaded and now being made available to researchers, journalists, and social scientists. So there, the, this is not being like WikiLeaked where it's just like we're dumping it and anybody who wants it can exploit it. It's actually being specifically given to targeted people who will use it for good and for research
1: not just for memes and lols
0: yeah not just for memes and lols but it is interesting just how bad these these platforms are at at doing what they what they intend to it seems like there's like a sort of sleeping giantization of like most people have a conscience and are are uh you know not happy with that these platforms exist and so you're able to just through a the fact that the vast majority of people who know how to code and the vast majority of hackers uh, are going to be on the side of you know common decency to to fuck these people over um
1: yeah i mean it's almost like hate kind of fucks you up and you start missing a lot of stuff when you're so focused on giving your energy away to like taking shit away from other people yeah uh, but hey I don't know I mean <laughs> I, great great keep fucking up and you'll you'll will people will always be able to track this shit and try and bring some accountability to them I mean yeah I mean this is I'm sure these are great resources for the researchers so I hope I mean I hope we get some something good out of it for sure Do you think
2: it's just because they have such a big target on them, or are like Republicans just typically very bad with technology? Because you see this kind of stuff happen with campaigns. A lot, or I I, I don't know. Like it just always has struck me that uh, the right isn't quite. That's not true, though. The Trump used technology to to great success. Yeah, it's just these breaches just seem like they are either just willfully ignorant, or like they don't think they think they're safe, or they don't care, or it just seems like you know with the with the parlor thing, they were using like a trial version of Okta, the uh, the three factor authentication thing, and like it was just not even hard to hack. You could barely even call it a hack. They just exploited like an obvious weakness in the platform. And I think that sounds a lot like what happened here.
0: Yeah, right? I mean, it sounds like they're using free trials and shit like I think that was uh, part of the parlor hack was that like their uh, part of their software was written with like a free trial that expired or something. Yeah, it's just I think this is partially like, you know, polite society being like, well, it's not good for us to have money invested in Nazis. Uh, we've We've learned that from history, and therefore, you know, it's like partially the mainstream uh, culture kind of working. Uh, Ah,
1: Bay's a sick yacht, dude. What is this? Yacht cost four, Billy? He's like, yeah, man, I went in on Nazis, bro. Invested (laughs) heavily on that (laughs) shit. Right.
0: uh, All right. Real quick, uh, anti-sponsored content. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Fuck
1: out of here to crisis pregnancy centers whose ads were, sir. I'm sorry people had to hear that shit.
0: Yes, uh, we had an ad. Th- this is something that happens from time to time, and trying to document fucker in 2021 United States is like drinking from a fire hose of shit. Uh, but one way a terrible right-wing grift uh, can guarantee that they'll get on our radar is by sneaking an ad onto our ad network uh, and that ad appearing on the Daily Zeitgeist. That's how uh, the we spent a year saying, fuck Fox News, fuck Rush Limbaugh, (laughs) fuck the Koch brothers uh, at the top of the episode. uh, And now we will add fuck Crisis Pregnancy Centers to that list. Specifically, Real Alternatives uh, ran an ad on the Daily Zeitgeist. Uh, This is just like, I mean, Noel, you understand this as a fellow podcaster. This is just like there are... Uh, Some ads that just get filled in that we Mm -hmm. do not approve, uh, have not... It's like an opt-in, opt-out in totality thing per show, basically. Right. And And then it
1: takes us to hear to be like, oh, no, we we opt out from that. Mm. Yeah. Um,
0: But, you know, this is something that we have specifically asked not to have on our network, uh, but that sometimes still sneaks through. And so this is... You know, anytime that happens, we do want to take a moment to kind of educate people about the shitty thing that ran an ad. Uh, So real quick summary of what crisis pregnancy centers are. Uh, They disguise themselves as actual medical clinics uh, while being staffed by volunteers uh, with no medical training. Uh, The medical advice they give is shot through with misinformation uh, about abortions and just about women's options uh, when they are pregnant. Uh, it's purely ideologically driven to uh, try to steer anyone who comes to them with a pregnancy away from abortion uh, right. and just disguising that by they claim they give false information about pain caused to the fetus and abortion Uh, They give false information about depression being a symptom or something that's caused to a woman who has an abortion. Uh, They will even delay ultrasounds to make sure the mother uh, hears a heartbeat because that's like the anti-choice equivalent of like propaganda. Um, Yeah, the heartbeat bill, right? Right. And people Mm -hmm. who got care at a facility were told uh, that abortion is a liberal elite scheme uh, trying to at black population control. Uh, basically, um, Jesus Christ. so they do uh a lot of damage and uh. Fuck it's em.
1: manipulative. It's fucking evil. The fact that you set up a scam like a prank show set where you have all this medical equipment around you to give the some semblance of legitimacy is so fucking cynical and fucked up. Yeah, like it's just straight trash and you see billboards like when they the billboards are like worse. It's like a confused pregnant person with their hand on their head. It's like, oh, are you pregnant? Don't worry. We're here to help. And then they want to talk you out of just doing whatever you want to do with your own body, um, which is so fucked up. So yeah, eat a a pile of shit.
2: it, it, when I read about it originally, like from from this, I, I'd never heard of it. Um, it sounded to me like super culty, like they're trying to like you know indoctrinate women or like get them to convert to Christianity or something. But it turns yeah, out it's it, it's it's things. also like it's it's it is that, but it's also like you know in terms of the data, it's a lot of um, people that are already going in that direction anyway. So I, I don't quite understand. The point.
0: Yeah, there's a study on it that says like it's a lot of preaching to the converted, and like the people who take advantage of it usually were already planning on having, uh, uh, giving birth to their child. But the, the study is a little bit limited in the sense that it, uh, it only sampled people who went to those clinics and then actually gave birth. So it doesn't sample anybody who went to those clinics and then. Uh, had an abortion and yeah,
1: either way the existence of something like that is fucked up. You and know also I mean? all you like, have
0: to do is look at the advertising strategy of them and like like the billboards Miles you're talking about, the fact that they're like putting ads, just like blasting ads across podcast networks to be like, hey guys we're here to to help. Um, you can go to www.exposefakeclinics.com uh to kind of learn more about about this practice. But it's also taxpayer funded. So yeah, uh Culty, but also, you know, funded by you, your money. So mm-hmm. um all right. This is an article from Wired that I really liked. Uh it's written by a guy named Cal Newport. Uh Who just released a book called A World Without Email, and he basically raises this overarching point that tech might not be, might just be making us busier and not actually making us uh, more productive, right? Yeah,
1: no, I mean it's yeah, it's who'd have thought for all the times we're like, yeah, man, because look, we all see shit and we see a technological advancement go oh wow that makes that thing so much easier actually thank you technology um and he just kind of raising this point it's like we have to kind of stop defaulting to being like all tech makes working so much easier and collaborating easier and therefore we will be more productive when the data does not support that uh at all he's talking about when the pc came out and began being worked or introduced into workplaces People were like, wow, this thing is great and it's making everything easier. But a lot of when they really started crunching the numbers as to what was happening, um, like in these like major corporations with the introduction of computers, they were like, nah, there's there's this kind of a disconnect between like what's easy and like what's effective. It seems to actually like it sort of rearranges people's time in a way that causes more issues. Like, so, for example. They did a study like back in the late 80s and 90s about these five major corporations that were replacing their typing pools, like where people were the typists to get you your documents and shit with word processors where people could like type on computers and get that shit, quote unquote, a lot easier or quicker. But they found that the typing pool, all their work fell to the people whose work they were supporting as a typing pool and then created a need for now more expensive, higher paid managers to keep the newly minted typists Uh, To keep churning out the work, so it really increased staffing costs by fifteen percent, with not even this not a proportionate increase in output or productivity. So now the focus is being put on this. For so for this writer talking about you know Slack and email is kind of like this whole new thing, where you know this is a quote from him says in two thousand five, just based on numerous studies found in two thousand five, we were sending and receiving fifty emails a day. In two thousand six, it jumps to sixty nine. By 2011, it was 90. Today, we send and receive an estimated 126 messages, checking our inboxes once every six minutes on average. So we're basically spending more time just talking about work and not having like the uninterrupted hours to do the work. Um, So that's why they're like, what? We actually need to have a reckoning here because like Gmail is now even finishing our sentences, which seems convenient, but like, is that actually going to make me more efficient? And it'll
0: just give you, allow you to get to the next email quicker. So that you're, you Mm -hmm. know,
1: constantly distracted. And I think the answer to this problem isn't easy, even as uh, the author of the the opinion piece says, it's not going to be easy, but we have to actually begin to slow down and begin to solve this issue because it's, it's like this weird, this, this, that's the productivity paradox as it's called. Like, we don't know how much it's actually helping. And points to like other industries where they have more of like a project, like project management protocols where teams spend less time talking what they're doing. And it's like check boxes and being like, these are my tasks I have to get done. Tick, 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 tick. I'm done. I can check in when I'm done with my tasks versus like, hey, where's that task? Do you know this? Checking in on this task and leave people to their own devices to just start work uninterrupted. But that only works for specific industries. And I think it's this I think opinion piece raises like the larger question of how are we going to. Uh, ourselves try and solve this problem by taking a moment to look at these inefficiencies
0: yeah giving us busy work that we can do efficiently while not making our overall productivity any higher and also not giving us like any way of any time to think about whether like the overall like philosophical and ethical implications of the work we're doing like that's That feels like a huge chunk of uh, what we're dealing with, like in a world where the problem is that we keep observing the same social injustices over and over and over, and nobody's ever doing anything about them like that. That feels uh, super relevant that we're that we're and like just that. I feel like this expands to social media, too. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, even.
1: The way you talk about it too, it's just sort of like what the pandemic offered people societally, societally for a moment where shit slowed down very quickly. And now we had in, in one year increased class consciousness, increased consciousness around white supremacy and things like that, that I'm sure. I mean, like, I don't think those things are unrelated, like because right. we had the time to think, to see, to process well, versus like i gotta get this done i gotta get that. i know that shit happened oh another unarmed person got killed but i gotta send these emails oh my boss hit me up on slack i gotta get th-. like wh- yeah where do you find the time to say uh, wow what, how do i solve like i'm seeing people who are hungry in my neighborhood like what am i how what what's going on how do how do we are there things i can put my energy towards
2: on the flip side of that though that's probably how q started too you know people had this like gap they needed to fill you Know and like, like, you know, soccer moms at home clicking around on the internet looking for something to kind of validate their feelings, you know, and then that's then they go start yeah. going down these like internet rabbit holes, and I think that's how that picked up so much steam and got mainstream so quickly. So, I do think there's like a dark side to it as well.
1: Oh, I, yeah, I don't think anything is absolutely good or bad, but yeah, I think, but overall, uh, I think we're, we would greatly benefit at least in the context of. Of, I mean, shit, you know, we, I'm, I'm glad people woke the fuck up even slightly, but Absolutely. at what cost? The other thing, though, with our workplaces now is how are we like we have to like kind of think about what this whole way of work, like what our whole mode of working is and is it doesn't it make sense to do this thing of like everyone is interconnected at the exact same time and we can start firing off messages to each other without overloading our own circuits and capacity to just do like focused You know work whatever our jobs are or
2: even like all these like unnecessary zoom meetings about other meetings and like you said it's all just meta think kind of about (laughs) talking about working instead of actually doing something you have to like talk about it first and then kind of agree and you could have just done all that in the first place or had it be like one email instead of a hour you know waste of time zoom call
1: yeah, because they talk about even just like how certain activities in, in the beginning with like a computer were more efficient, but just it creates more work, right? So like if you if you're like there was a uh, you were running a business instead of having an accountant update your ledgers that were on paper, a business owner's like, well, I got QuickBooks now, I got a spreadsheet now, I can do this, and I can yes, do they this may be just able...
0: a little bit worse than my accountant, right? <laughs> exactly, which is right. fine.
1: I get it. It might be easier than this paper book that you have to like work through, but. Over, like they saying, but practically, business owners now just have less time to do the other things that might be more important. Because they're like, well, since it's easier, I can take this on. And what we're doing is we're being like, well, that's easier. I can take that on. I can take it on. And then we're really we're becoming more and more unbalanced.
0: Yeah, I think this is part of the overall issue that like we'll be continuously documenting of just uh, overall like kind of broad but invisible social issues that are giving us the a lot of the issues that we're having right now. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. And real quick update. Uh, Trump's secret inauguration is this week. Uh, I don't know if you booked your room at the Trump Hotel in D.C. yet, but... Yeah, if you if you haven't been paying attention to the QAnon, the World O QAnon, uh, Q actually hasn't posted since December, uh, but there are theories being propagated by the sovereign citizens, uh, a loose movement of anti-government extremists who believe they are immune from the law. There are some really fun videos of these people who They're- just... They're called tased. the fuck
1: around and find out clip yes. on YouTube.
0: <laughs> Where you get to see them fuck around and find out in one uh, very satisfying clip. They're also uh, started with like a 1970s super anti-Semitic theory based around posse comitatus. And yeah, it's all it all goes back to, you know, white supremacy. It all goes back to anti-Semitism Nazis. or race. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but so they believe, uh, March 4th is going to be Trump's, the, the real election because, uh, 1933 was the year when inaugurations were changed from March 4th to January 20th. Um, and in case you don't recognize 1933's importance, that was the year that FDR sold the U S citizens, uh, to foreign interests. Um, Mm. I don't know if you knew that, but that happened. Uh, so <laughs> Trump, uh, the, the big piece of evidence they're pointing to uh, that proves this is true is that uh, Trump's D.C. hotel uh, jacked up its rates by 180 percent for March 4th. Usually the least expensive room at Trump International is $476, but now it comes uh, at 596 per night on that mm. night by the way just a, a fun little fact the least expensive room at trump international uh, comes with a king-sized bed with a opulent headboard topped with a gilded crown um so mm. cool uh, just to set the scene but yeah the the reservations team from the hotel i think snopes did some reporting on this uh and the reservations team was like it could just be because so many people are trying to book a room that night because they believe this bullshit theory. Yeah, And it's, uh, we do poor, supply and demand.
1: What are they going to do? The QAnon yeah. community. I mean, like you can only kick the can down the road so much before there's no can or road to even do this with anymore. Like right. the moving of the goalposts. And I see this a lot, like, especially in the fallout of the fallout of like the reality check of the inauguration that a lot of people had of like, Trying to figure out what they start saying now. Like, do we keep saying that we know what's going to happen? Do we not? Are we sure about this March 4th thing? Like, for especially for the people who are peddling this bullshit, because clearly they're worried, too, about like, well, I can't like I can't fuck up my uh, my trustworthiness as a a Q misinformation peddler that like it's also there's divides within QAnon to be like, well, I don't some people think it's March 4th. I don't know.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. There was like a internal schism between people who at first said uh, March 4th, it was going down, uh, but then started backpedaling when they realized that literally nothing that they've been predicting has actually happened. And so they, uh, you know, it's it's now a pattern uh, among the smart queue people to be like, yeah, this is going down. It's March 4th. And then like right before that. Be like, actually, we just got new intelligence and uh, we're going to push that off to March 20th, I think.
1: Actually, I meant March 45th and then go March for 45. <laughs> uh, and really, that is April 14th. <laughs> like, oh, my <laughs> God. Like, fuck. <laughs> um, that actually 5th, made- oh, that's what it is. March 45th, made- tax day, April 15th. Oh, my God, y'all. You're that welcome. actually makes
0: so much sense. Uh, yeah. You should you See, should do this for a living. Um but I other better
1: conspiracy theories than these motherfuckers take years to <laughs> think, think
0: of. But they think that like they're also the people who are like, we need to take things into our own hands and make this happen on March fourth. So Yikes. uh they're they have uh left I think five thousand uh, National Guard troops in DC, uh right. just to because there is so much chatter around this. I mean, there's always like, like, what does that look like if this thing happens the way they're hoping?
2: They they just like wheel him into town on like a golden chariot and like yeah. crown him or something. Like, I mean, yes. it's like some fucking Ghostbusters shit. It sounds it, like Zool or is. something. It's really, really sinister. <laughs> the Sculley
0: <Scolari> brothers, <laughs>
1: like, what the f- like? They, I mean, though, it really is fantastic. It's that like, it's like you would write it in your own way, uh, Joe Biden. Uh, and Kamu will be in cuffs And they have to walk by President Trump as he salutes Them flippantly and we're gonna Love it and then he's it's like what The f- I don't know I mean but I guess that's How invested these people are in their like Oppressive fantasy fantasy <laughs> World yeah that's their Avatar you know what I mean like this yeah, yeah, is their yeah, Support yeah. group circle. for going you back to pandem- Pan- <laughs> Pandora Baby
2: <laughs> um, Oh my God it's yeah. exhausting Isn't it <laughs>
1: Yeah, I wonder what that overlap is from the Pandora support group people and like January 6th insur- insurrectionists.
0: I mean, they're definitely s- providing the same service to people. Um, right. Like there, remember there's,
1: remember then? Remember that time?
0: Right. There is research that's suggesting that like most QAnon people like don't actually believe the stuff. It's like more of a like half-hearted they read about it because it's like a fun story for them to believe in. Uh, but it like they're not actually gonna do anything with their chest out, so those are probably the the April Fourteenth people. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, at um, the end of
1: the day, like even when they do like those polls, and it's like only seven percent of Americans believe dope. QAnon, you're like that's millions. Yeah, of people.
0: That's a lot of people. It's um, a lot of people. Yeah. Let's talk about sneaker resellers. Uh, this gentleman, uh, who goes by the name of what is it? West Coast Streetwear. Uh, on Instagram, I think don't
1: give him, don't make him sound cool. I he's I a, think he's
0: very cool, Miles. He's uh, a
1: piece <laughs> of shit reseller. I fucking. love just
0: the built-in hostility for this guy. Uh, okay, let me tell
1: you something. As a fucking lifelong sneakerhead, yeah, the the as all sneakerheads know now, the refrain is the game is all fucked up now. Yes, it used to be. People fucked with sneaker because they wanted them, some to collect, but mostly to wear because that was our way of expressing ourselves. Like, yo, I got these fresh kicks on or whatever. That's just that's their our personal thing. Um, and then resellers completely fucked the game up, where these people try and buy large amounts of product to take away from people who want to wear them personally, and then they resell them on your Ebays or your Stockx or consignment stores for massive profits. Because sneaker culture has become much more popular that now coveted pairs of shoes are going for thousands and sometimes tens of thousands of dollars.
2: Sort of so, like the the uh, ticket scalpers using bots and all that. I mean, similar yeah, situation
1: and no different. Bots right. are being used for sneakers, and like, like sneaker drops, where suddenly it used to be like you could line up outside of a footlocker, and if you were there in the morning when they opened up, you could get the shoe you wanted because you were there, because you bothered to get up, or you were online, you bothered to refresh the footlocker or Nike website, and then you hit click, and then the foot, you were like, yes, okay, I got my shit. Yeah. But now shit, it's like fucking locusts gone immediately, devouring yeah. shit. Like the second you try and load the page, like sold out and you're like, how in the fuck did this happen? Well, I will tell you how that bots. happened. Yeah.
0: Uh, so yeah, this was just, uh, if nothing else, an interesting uh, look at like how, what you're describing happens for somebody who's like, I only, you know, I'll, I'll try and get, get the shoes when they drop every once in a while, almost never am successful. Uh, and eventually, like, you know, spend too much money on the shoes on StockX or Goat. Um, the reason for that, uh, he, <laughs> so the this is just like a a look at his day on a day that there's a big shoe drop. Uh, the day these Yeezys were released, he'd woken at 3 a.m., signed on to the messaging platform Discord, um, gotten 15 members of a cook group, a term sneaker resellers used to describe like basically, people who work for them, uh, to they all just like get together, use a use code and buy up all the shoes, um, which are supposed to only go to one customer. Uh, by 6 a.m., the shoes were sold out and his bots had rung up $132,000 on his AMX. And then in almost as little time as it had taken him to buy them, he had sold them for a $20,000 profit. Um, so yeah.
1: Wait, where did he get $132,000 on his ask, Amex Miles. from? Uh so <laughs> How does a 19-year-old young man have so much capital?
0: So, uh the reason this is making news uh yesterday is that this young man's mother uh turns out uh, and this art- the article actually uh mentions this is the head of North American operations for uh, a small a uh, shoe Upstart. wear company called Nike uh, shoes. Head oh, North. And I also, America.
1: Yeah, I heard it was also on his mother's corporate Amex that he was using. Wow. Huh. To buy up shoes. And also I heard that he was using his mother's discount to procure even more pairs from certain outlets.
0: Right. Allegedly. He, he denied <laughs> that. Uh, right, right. Exactly. But, I mean, so I she resigned your mom's back. Yeah, she resigned. Uh, I'm genuinely not sure if she's leaving out of shame or because she's going to go run his business with him because uh, she sees a market. Because the way they talk about this is like, yeah, no, this is... I mean, this is... The the thing that is eye-opening about this article is that they're like, this is just what stock traders do every day, like what this dude does. Uh, yeah. They... And that's always been my suspicion is that like the stock market is all about just finding these little inefficiencies, making people pay, just gaming a vast system to try and eke out, like find a market, make money off that market and not provide literally any value to anyone.
2: Not to mention if you have access to one of those, like, Bloomberg terminals or whatever, which costs, like, $100,000 a year or something insane to have access to. Or if you have this kind of insider information on, you know, the the sneaker situation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it makes sense, and we're obviously moving toward this, like, everything is a commodity, you know, society, like, with things like – you know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency that literally represent nothing, but are just bought and sold and traded and using all this energy. And so, I'm sorry, yeah. I've been on a soapbox, but it's just—it's all no. kind of part and parcel of the same yeah. conundrum, right?
1: Yeah. The, the big issues for me too are like one, as a sneakerhead, specifically, his mother's purview. In his mother's purview, was running the sneakers app, which yeah. anyone who tries to buy hype sneakers knows nike only has one way to get this you go on this app you join a queue or a lottery system and you pray to the consumer gods that you will get a hype sneaker. most of the time you don't it's like a meme in the sneaker community it's like yep took a l taking l's taking another l this saturday morning or whatever and then to know that this guy's mother is running i mean like there's there's so many more questions i have because it like it's almost like oh like so like someone at Nike was backdooring their own product out of sneakers to the resale market just to get. Woo! Yeah.
2: So is, is this we'll different see. and maybe less like galling to you than, or more rather than like some of those boutique shops, like on Melrose that have like the, these sneakers and plastic, like maybe like last year's, you know, it's um, the same thing.
1: They're just doing it's on consignment too. Like they're yeah, not selling it for the retail price. If you're not selling shit for the retail price, I'm angry. Uh, and I get it, it, but that's sometimes you have to go to these secondary markets to get the shoes or whatever. All that to say a very small problem, a very small minor problem overall for most people. But like when you also look at the amounts of money that's being made, it's just like it's it's again, it's just a it's just a mirror reflection of America. But we're just seeing it play out yeah. in this very specific way.
0: I mean, sure. the whole the whole so capitalism we, we keep talking about uh, is a system that is designed to uh preserve capital and like help people with capital maintain their capital That's not uh but like th- this is illustrates sort of something that we're seeing with like like you said no the um bitcoin the top shot like the digital trading cards it's like uh value is being completely decoupled from mm-hmm. and like they're not they're not providing any value they're just like it, shoes, I guess, are more than any of those other things. But it's it's just finding inefficiencies, squeezing money out of other people, you know, preying on people uh, who are less advantaged than you. And it, it's just like the whole the whole argument for a market economy is like that It uses yet value and like demand and supply to like allocate things intelligently. And we've just completely lost track of like, that's, that's gone and never coming back. So like, I don't want to hear that argument. Like when, when people are trying to argue that like socialism is bad, it's this, this is not better than right. anything uh, it's, you can It's come like
1: healthcare. With. It's like, well, how much can we get away with charging people the shit? Like, well, shit, if they're going to pay it, why are we going to pay it? Why are we going to do it for less? Not to say right. that sneakers are the same as like life-saving insulin or something like that, but it's the like with this resale market, it's like, well, how thirsty are you for this thing? Because that's mm-hmm. how much it costs. It's not what it's worth. I'm just going to prey on how desperate you are to even, because Daniel's in the chat right now. Yes, on StockX, you, there are PS5s. There are video cards. There's shit that is not even sneakers that yeah. people are like, I need it. And yeah, you're just being like, okay, well, how bad is your FOMO, Poppy?
0: Well, I think yes, it's interesting it, you it, bring up two, the healthcare programs. I mean, it it, just,
1: it
2: it really is just about like a, a lack of empathy. There's there in this system, there's just no thinking of individuals. It's just like, I mean, this is all, it almost sounds cliche to say out loud, but it's like just profits over everything. And you don't think about human beings and like, you know, in socialist countries or places where they have socialized healthcare, they do, or they, you know, subsidize artists and people that are choosing to live their lives in this way where they're providing this amazing thing for other people to enjoy.
0: That's considered valuable. (laughs) You know, their people are, their people are no better than our people they their people are not uh you know don't have more, more empathy it's just a system right. we, they have a system that takes that empathy and that like fundamental Kinda. understanding that we will not uh allow somebody to die because they don't have enough money uh and they take that as a baseline like that yeah. is what the entire system is built on uh and we have a system where that is drilled out of it by billions of dollars of marketing and uh you know things that are designed to distract us from from uh, our empathy yep.
1: you know anyway it. it's on site for this reseller i'm telling <sighs> you that the sneaker community hates this little fucking guy because they'll I'm t- this is the other thing he he would post these images of like hundreds of boxes of like Yeezys or Jordans and the people post the people flex like this on Instagram all the time these resellers and you're like how the fuck does this person have this many pairs of shoes like it's impossible like you don't know enough people that are have enough addresses and when you start seeing these stories you're like of course it's someone who's fucking hooked up at this level um, but yeah.
0: He was not like admitting to the author of this article like who his mom was, but uh at the beginning of the article when he was still collaborating with them, he was like, "If you know the right people here, this is the city to sell shoes. He lives in Portland wink, because wink. his mom is the head of Nike um North America The right people wow. can give you access to stuff like that or to stuff that like a normal person would not have access to." Uh, that's amazing that he was shrewd enough to be born to the head of Nike North America. What a brilliant businessman.
1: Wait, But you know what? How American. You know what I mean? Yeah. Using your oh, parents yeah, yeah. connects to start fucking making your own. Coin Nepotism and like, is number
2: yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. And then not even being like ashamed of it. <laughs> It's like right. almost using that as another yeah. like sub flex
0: within the like stacks of sneakers. It's yeah, it's because like, "Oh, I got
1: it, and you don't."
0: You right? Know I mean, that's the takeaway. When the reporter was like, "So we know that your mom is the head of Nike North America," he was like, "You can't mention that in the article." And they were like, well, "Of course, we're going to mention that." He's going to fuck up my cred like, as a sneaker yeah. pirate. And so he then uh, stopped co- cooperating with the with the yeah. article. And the um, thing
1: is, that's not going to hurt his resale business.
0: No, 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 no. no.
1: people are going to still buy, you know, people are we're still the hype of econ- cuz now it's global and it's not just Americans that are paying out like it's all over the place and yeah, it's
0: cool. Let's you know? let's talk about something hopeful money. real quick. Uh <laughs> New York City Streets 2.0, yeah. a a vision uh mm-hmm. that that has been put out there. Uh so New York city has been through a lot of changes since the pandemic. And we've talked a little bit about how, why, why change back if, you know, they converted uh, miles and miles of road uh, to, you know, just uh pedestrian and, you know, parking or not parking, uh, uh, dining areas. And just like basically open, communal open spaces. source, communal space. Uh, and, that somebody has kind of put together a plan uh where you would take one in every four of the city's 19 thousand miles of driving lanes and three million free on-street parking spaces and open just you know thousand a thousand miles of pedestrian streets um miles you yeah. put this together yeah
1: well it's just a good it's a great I mean it's funny right now there's a lot of people who um like especially in New York politics who are bringing this up as an issue for the city like the there's local polit- like people who are for the municipality who are like we should really think about making this permanent there are people who are running for mayor who are like making this part of their platform about taking the streets and like being like wasn't this great how we had like from being in our apartments we said hey you can kind of walk outside and stretch your shit out and do what you got to do in the public space so this group called transportation Al- alternatives is saying Okay, 25% of the streets, if we modify it for pedestrians, what can we do? So yeah, Jack, you're saying a 1,000 miles of pedestrian streets is the first thing you would create. Then it could open one car-free block for play, outdoor learning, and pick up and drop off outside of each of the city's 1,700 public schools. Okay, great. I like that. Put every resident within a five-minute walk of 500 miles of bus lanes and 40 miles of busways, and within a quarter mile of 500 miles of like real bike lanes, like protected from cars, right. bike lanes, like legit yeah. bike lanes. Which but is because not, people were necessarily the,
0: yeah, it's not necessarily the case in New York City's uh current bike lanes. You're you're basically out there uh dodging <laughs> and like bumping up again, like trying to box out a taxi right. while you're riding. And praying
1: a door doesn't fly open in the middle of, right. uh, you know, you trying to get to where you got to go. And so, yeah, it would, put, it just does all these, I think it would, they could potentially plant 15,000 new trees, the equivalent of adding almost an entire central park to the city's canopy, uh, 38 million square feet for neighborhoods to allocate for whatever they want. You want to build a little, uh, fi- like a little, uh, soccer court for some street futsal. Cool. You want to build a basketball handball court, whatever the fuck you garden, do. So,
0: whatever. Yeah.
1: And then also it established hubs for street vendors, benches, trees, public bathrooms, bike charging outside of every one of the subway stations. Like there's, when you think of like all these things that could happen, it makes you really realize like the, like how much we can actually use these kinds of public spaces. Cause right now it's like, I know I have my house. I walk to and from on this sidewalk. And then I go to my destination and everything in between is just kind of like something I pass through versus something that will add to my sense of community because that's what the one of the higher benefits of something like this
0: yeah i want to start highlighting more ideas like this that are like like we should not settle for anything less than this like we should not settle for in los angeles the same thing is uh happens with like uh like the one percent uh has all these country clubs that are the best park space in los angeles that you have to pay two hundred thousand dollars a year to access um like it's
1: and, and our taxes are funding it.
0: And our taxes fund it. Uh, it's bonkers. And it, it's just like w- there are these things that we just take as like, well, that's a given because that like are if you just view them with fresh eyes, make literally no sense. They right. should not exist. And we need to, you know, just realize that we can change these things. We like the vast majority of people would benefit from changing these things. Uh, right. And yeah, there's, uh, so this is a overall movement in New York city. If you live in New York city, uh, get on it, like find a way to contribute, uh, and LA let's, let's do something about these fucking country clubs, man. I'm so pissed about the country clubs. I
1: remember like I had a friend who like whose backyard would look, you could like look into a country club and you're like, the, it was the first time I had seen a country club. I was like, what the fuck is that? You got a park? And they're like, oh, no, that's the Wilshire Country Club. This was somebody who's on my hockey team whose family was doing very well. Mm. And we had a team party there. And I'm like, they're like, oh, yeah, you guys can go on the golf course to play bocce. And I'm like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? And I look in their back. Like, I just thought it was someone else's yard. And then we hopped the fence. And I'm like, it's this whole fucking golf course in this part of town I didn't know as a kid was here. And you're like, this place looks fucking magical. Yet. Again, we're limiting the access to people who, you know, yeah. really don't need it and don't deserve it. Uh, no. And cutting off our outdoor spaces to, like, children, anybody. You can fucking go work yeah. on your devil sticks.
0: So a bunch of rich guys do. can go there and, like, network. And that that's literally, you think they're pet spending $200,000 a year because they love golf? They're doing it because they know it's a good investment to you know, make more money. And it's like a, yet another, it's a literal, like, castle wall being put up by the 1% uh, to allow them to do business where nobody else can access them. So fuck country clubs and uh, fuck New York uh, city streets until they are all parks, or at least uh, the vast majority. Turn New York into I Am Legend. Just oh yeah <laughs> mannequin
1: parties in every intersection
0: yes thank you uh no <laughs> it's been a pleasure having you oh, dude. Uh, always thanks for having me back
2: where can people uh find you and follow you sure you can find me i'm pretty much just on instagram i'm at how now noel brown uh or you can listen to me on uh one or all of three podcasts that i'm on corporeally uh Stuff They Don't Want You to Know with Ben Bolin, who's also a uh, recurring guest on Daily Zeitgeist, folks would know, uh, and Matt Frederick, uh, another amazing uh, iHeart executive producer and, uh, and podcast host. And then I'm on a show called Movie Crush with Chuck Bryant from Stuff You Should Know, where we just kind of talk shit about movies uh, once a week. And then I'm also on Ridiculous History with Ben Bolin again, who is like my official work wife. Uh, <laughs> so yeah,
0: all of those are everywhere you get podcasts. Uh, And is there a tweet or some of the work of social media you've been enjoying?
2: Well, I I wouldn't say enjoying, but I think it's a really good point. Celeste Ng, who wrote Little Fires Everywhere, uh, did a a really nice hot take based on some things I think that Trump Jr. said at CPAC. uh, It's weird how it's cancellation, in quotes, when an artist's own trust wants to remove racist work it's no longer proud of. Right, uh, and that was in response to you know Trump saying the Muppets are canceled, but it's literally right. just Disney putting a little you know historical disclaimer saying we're aware that some of these jokes might not have aged well over time, or like say the fact that like you can't get Song of the South on Disney Plus.
0: So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Miles, where can people find you? What's tweet you've been enjoying?
1: Find me on Twitter, Instagram, at Miles of Gray. Also, the other podcast, 420 Day Fiance, where uh, Sophia and I are currently on a campaign to try and get Seth Rogen to come on the podcast uh, ever since he interacted with one of Sophia's tweets. So, support us as we endeavor for the Canadian stoner to grace his presence on that podcast. You know, he's also Uh, an
2: ambit. He's a potter. He's really into pottery. mm -hmm. Into pot and making pottery.
1: He throws, he throws them in that wheel. Yeah, 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 you know what I sure. mean? Um, a f- couple of the tweets I like. One is from uh, Catherine Spears, uh, former guest, uh, yeah, yeah. great, great food writer. Uh, she tweeted I once dated a guy who had been dumped for Will Forte, and he got really angry that I didn't think Will Forte was the hottest guy on SNO. <laughs> um. Another one is from Lindsay Gibbs at Linz Sports, L-I-N-Z-S-P-O-R-T-S, tweeting, Stop glamorizing, quote, the grind, and start glamorizing getting seven-plus hours of sleep at night, having healthy relationships, feeling safe at work, taking sick days, being paid a living wage, working hard when you're at work, uh, boundaries, and self-caring your way to success. 100%. These are words that we do not use enough when talking about navigating our live-work lives. So, yeah, sleep healthy boundaries you mm. know what i mean self-care like not torturing yourself letting telling yourself it's gonna be okay don't listen to that voice in my head that's been riding with me since birth that's kind of mm. been fucking with me um and then also reductress at reductress tweets quiz did your souls meet in a past life or did you match on hinge five years ago
0: <laughs> <laughs> Slow down. Oh, man. yeah the world is like a half memory now. It's like well, I know I fucking recognize that no, person. we Hinge
1: fucking... five years ago. Yeah, right. How are you doing? I'm married. Oh,
0: <laughs> tight. Uh, tweet I enjoyed. Michelle King uh, tweeted: All negative book reviews should end with quote. Despite all this, it's pretty impressive that this person wrote a book, uh, and I agree. <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, Daily where we post our episodes and our footnotes. We link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode as well as the song that we recommend. What song is our recommendation today, Miles? Oh,
1: man, you can check this on Spotify. It's called Moonlit. And it's by uh, this producer, Context. K-O-N-T-E-K-S. Uh, you know, uh, just a big lo-fi kind of beat maker that I'm really enjoying. If you're not following me on Instagram, you're missing my current musical beat journey because I just started making beats again. And mm. if you check in, you can watch me cook, baby. Mm. Uh, so I'm loving this sample-based hip-hop. So more sample-based hip-hop from Context.
0: Moonlit. it's Wonderful. All right. We are going to link off to that in the footnotes. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for this morning. We're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye.